Hey friends, welcome to the City Hope Podcast. My name is Bobby Thompson and I have the privilege of serving as a lead pastor. I pray that today's message would inspire you, it would encourage you, and it would also challenge you in your walk with Christ. Enjoy today's sermon. Today, we're starting a new series, and I'm super excited about this series called Chain Reaction. And uh, for the next four Sundays, we're going to be uh, talking about Chain Reaction. We'll jump all into that. I just want to encourage you, um, today it, it is a very practical message, very practical, give you a lot of stuff to walk out of here and apply to your life. A lot of things that you can uh, literally do today, tomorrow, and, and, and days moving forward. So if you're a note taker, uh, write some of this stuff down. Take some photos of, of, of the screens. I just want to encourage you today um, to, to uh, uh, just really check in and, and be with me. I want to start today with a quick story, and, uh, and we'll get rolling. Around 1 a.m. on April 25th, a power plant in the Ukraine begins preparations for a safety test. Although the test experiences a few missteps that lead to minor delays, everything appears to be fine. When the safety test officially begins the next day, it is interrupted by an unexpected power surge. The plant operator attempts an emergency shutdown, but the shutdown fails, and 18 seconds later, the plant explodes. This picture that you see right here is the control panel of a reactor, unit number four, inside the Chernobyl exclusive zone and nuclear power plant in 2006. This uh, uh, control panel here was the one that blew up on April 26, 1986. The initial explosion set off a chain reaction that blows a thousand tons off the reactor and shoots a fireball high into the night sky. Walls, equipment, Dozens of fires collapse, fires erupt, uh, a cloud of radioactivity is released, covering the countryside and the surrounding area. The accumulation of missteps cost over $68 billion to clean up and was responsible for over 4,000 deaths. Uh, one of the, the former Soviet Union leaders, Mikhail Gorbachev, says this is the real collapse, the real reason for the collapse of the Soviet Union. The elephant's foot you see in this picture is uh, from the Chernobyl disaster. It's formed in the immediate after aftermath of the meltdown. This was a solid mass made of melted nuclear fuel mixed with lots of concrete, sand, core sealing material that the fuel had melted through. Over a hurried construction period of 206 days, Crews erected a steel and cement sarcophagus to entomb the damaged reactor you see in this photo. An employee stands in front of the radiation sign at the sarcophagus just a few years after its construction. A crazy event that set off a massive chain reaction. Some of you may remember this, may remember reading about this. Just a few years ago, author James Clear uh, came out with a book called Atomic Habits. Atomic Habits. And, and, I, and I would encourage you, if you're a, a reader, if you're someone who is into like leadership type of material, this is a great book I would encourage you to get. Atomic Habits sold over 5 million copies. Um, but Clear, in this book, simplifies that a chain, there's a chain reaction to establishing habits. There's a chain reaction of things that roll along when you want to start habits in your life. And he kind of gives this example like this. He summed it up saying, first we get a cue. 
There's a cue. Then there's we react with a craving, which leads to a response that ends in a reward. So there's this cue that happens that leads to a craving in our life. Then the next step is there's a response by us and then there's a reward. And so I started thinking, what is a really good way to explain this? I'm a very visual person. I want, I want to be able to really understand what's going on. So, so let me give you an example. All right. When I see this place, when I drive by this establishment, there is a cue that goes off inside of my life and I immediately, I don't know why, my car turns inside of that parking lot. And then a craving begins to happen and so my response is to go through the drive through and order a dozen donuts. And then the reward is filling my life up with sugar and feeling like the fattest person in the world, right? So that you, you see, right? The cue goes into the craving, goes into the response, into the reward. This is the cycle. And so, in, in other words, if you think about it like this, the cue, what are the things that cue me in my life? These, this is what, when it comes to habits, when it comes to things you do in your life, your cues determine what you do. Right. The things that cue you in life determine what you do. And so if you want to change what you do, change your cues. Right. If I don't want to feel like the fattest person in the world, I change my cues. I don't stop when I see the hot donuts now sign on. I keep driving and I go home and eat grass or whatever. Right. Like I change I change the cue. And so for the next month, here's what we're going to be talking about. We want to challenge you. We want to challenge you to set up small spiritual habits in four areas. These small spiritual habits that we're going to challenge you over these four areas in your time with God, your connection with others, your calling to serve, and your commitment to generosity. We want to challenge you to, to develop some habits and have habits in your life in these four areas. Now, if you've been around City Hope for very long, you've probably heard me say from time to time that, that we believe that the world needs more Christians and the world needs better Christians, right? We need more people on Jesus's team in our world. Nobody would deny that. We need more nice people and kind people and people that are trying to do the right thing. We need more. But we also, those of us who are already on the team, they're followers of Christ, man, we got to do a better job. We got to we got to grow. We got to become more like Christ. And it's a daily grind, right? It's a daily thing that, man, I, I didn't do so good yesterday. I got to do better. So we want to develop some habits in, in these areas, because I believe that when you set up spiritual habits, you'll set off a chain reaction of explosive spiritual growth. When you set up spiritual habits in your life, you will see a difference in your life. And it starts inside of us, right? It starts inside of our heart. And then it moves into our family and the people closest to us. And then if we continue to develop those habits and, and people around us, our neighbors, our coworkers will see and this chain reaction happens. And so if you change your habits, you'll change your life. And so today I'm going to give you some spiritual habits of a godly person. Seven spiritual habits of a godly person. And we'll go through these kind of quick. Um, a lot of scripture. So, so bounce around with me. If Again, take some notes, uh, take some pictures of the screen, take some notes. But I want to give you seven 
spiritual habits of a godly person. For some of these, these are a reminder. These are a refresher. These are like, okay, I'm doing good here. And some of them you're going to be like, man, I don't know about that one, right? I got some work to do. But I want to encourage you in all of these to, to, to walk out of here, be challenged and changed. So before we jump into this, let me just do this. Let me just ask you all over the room just to bow your head and close your eyes. And we, we, we've walked in here today and, and, and hopefully, hopefully most of you have had a good morning. I know that, that a lot of times Sunday may be stressful. Maybe you had an argument on the way here. You're fussing and then you get in here and you put on a smile and act like everything's okay. That's, that's real life. That's, that's real life. But I believe with all of my heart, and this, this, our, our first service was, was great. We had a great first service today, and, and the Lord's really moving in a lot of hearts. And, and I just pray that today that you would allow the Lord to speak truth and to, to speak life into you. Maybe there's some of these habits that we're going to talk about that, that God is reminding you, hey, we gotta, we got to get back on track here. we got to start this. So, Father, I just pray for these next few minutes you would speak to our hearts. Lord, in, in just a real and practical way, show us, show us, God, how we can grow in a, a deeper, more intimate walk with you. Lord, all the things that we have on our, on our shoulders, the, the, the weights, the heaviness, the, the struggles, the temptation, the sin, whatever it is, God, I pray that, that you would allow us to hear from you in a mighty way today. Speak directly to each and every individual in the room. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Habit number one, habit number one, seven spiritual habits of a godly person is a life of prayer, a life of prayer. You look out throughout the Bible, the Bible talks a lot about prayer, right? But I think there's no better example than Jesus himself. Jesus, the very son of God, he believed that this was an important and vital part of his life. Look at Mark chapter one, verse 35. Look what Jesus did. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, he went out, made his way to a deserted place, and there he was praying. Think about that for a minute. The son of God, if it's so important for him to do first thing in the morning, how much more is it important for us? Simon and his companions searched for him, and when they found him, they said, everyone's looking for you. Jesus was doing the most important thing that he knew that he had to do. But I want you to see this. Simon, he was a good dude, right? He was the disciple. He was trying to do good things. But he was trying to take Jesus away from doing the one thing that he knew he had to do. And, and I wonder how many things, how much stuff, good could be good stuff, keeps us away from truly having a habit and, and having a life of prayer. Well, I got good things going on. I got to get kids ready and I got to cook breakfast and I got to get ready for work and I got to do this and I got to do good things that are, aren't bad, but do they keep you away from the most important thing? This is an everyday habit. This is the most important thing. Uh, uh, it, it should feel as a need, a desire, a joy, not like a chore. Oh, I forgot to pray. Let me do it on the way. Let me figure this out. And, and this, this life of prayer um, isn't just when things, I need things to happen, right? Oh God, you know about this situation, you know this relationship. A life of prayer isn't just when there's a need, but all the time. Because when you love him and you desire to spend time with him, you'll have conversation with him. You'll have, you'll have this prayer life with God. And I want you to see this. And, and, and I, don't, I don't mean this in a mean and, and ugly way, but you cannot live a godly life without a prayer life. 
You cannot live a God-filled life without a prayer life. This is what keeps you connected to the Almighty God. It is, without doubt, the most important activity of our day. And if you think about, again, what did Jesus do? The, the building blocks that Jesus laid. He, he gives us the blueprint. Here's the model, guys. Here's what I want you to do. Spend time alone with God. That's how Jesus did it, and that's exactly how you and I should do it. If you want to accomplish great things in your life, in your family, and on your sports team, in your workplace, if you want to accomplish great things for God, start on your knees. So number one, a life of prayer. Number two, number two, faith or trust. Live a life of faith or trust. Those words are kind of interchangeable and you can use whichever one fits your situation better. Faith or trust. Look what the psalmist says in Psalm 103. It says, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Is that the kind of life and kind of faith that you live with? God, you are sovereign. God, all of it is yours. You are in charge. No matter what my outlook may be, no matter how hard this situation is, God, you are over all. And, and, and I want you to see this. See, see how this uh, interchanges with number one? If you don't do number two, if you don't trust him, guess what? You're not going to pray to him. If you don't trust him, if you don't have number two habit in your life, then number one habit's going to be a little bit tough. A, a, a very familiar passage of scripture, most of you probably haven't memorized, Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. God, do, or, or, or church, do you live a life that says, God, I trust you. I can't see it. I don't understand it. I can't feel it. It hurts. It stinks. Uh, it's a struggle. But God, we're going to have faith that you're bigger than what we're seeing. And, and here's the thing. You have this choice. Every one of us wake up with this choice every single day. I can trust or I can worry. I can have anxiety or God, I can give it to you. And, and I trust God that you can take care of it. It is a choice. And I want to encourage you today, develop a pattern of trusting. Some of you right now, you can sit here and you can think, oh man, I've developed a pattern of worrying. I want to develop a pattern of trusting. Because when we trust, this is just, just like, just like in, your, in, your, in your relationship with your spouse. When you trust, it builds intimacy, right? When you have faith, it builds, it builds connection. There's, there's closer. We connect better when there's trust. Well, some of you in here today, you're like, well, how do I know? How do I know if I'm really trusting God? What's, what's kind of a, a test? How, how can I do this? Well, let me ask you uh, or ask yourself this question. How do I know if I'm trusting? Ask yourself. What am I worried about today? What am I worried about? What am I worried about? And that right answer to that question right there will help you see if you have this habit of trusting God, having faith or trust. Number three, number three, meditation on God's word. Meditation on God's word. I want to stop here because this is, this is one, right? Like, like our kids in kids ministry are probably being taught the same thing. Like read your Bible and pray, right? And, and I want to encourage you. We got a lot of young people in here, students and, and maybe some, some kids age. Um, this is one of those things that I want to encourage you because a, a lot of times as young people, you think, oh, well, I'll, 
I'll do that when I'm older and I'm married, right? When I'm, when I'm 42, I'll do that, and I got a wife and I got a kids. That's when I'll do that. Well, can I just encourage you young people, all of these habits, but, but, but especially this one, develop this habit now. Develop this habit now, and then when you're 42, it's a little easier, because if you go from, let's just say, you know, zero to 21, and you're like, I'll do it later, I'll do it later, I'll do it later, guess what? When you're 42, it's still going to be tough, right? This is a habit. You can ask people all over this room uh, 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 that, that didn't have this as a young person, how is this a struggle? How is this, you know, let me just encourage you to make this a habit now. Start now making this a habit, no matter what your age may be. But the psalmist says this in Psalm 63. When I think of you as I lie on my bed, I meditate on you during the night watches because you are my helper. I will rejoice in the shadow of your wings. I follow close to you. Your right hand holds on to me. The psalmist is saying, read it. Think about it. Search it. Spend time with it. Ask questions to it. Surrender to it. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Meditate on who he is, what he's all about. Keep your eyes. You know, for some of us, we're so good. We, we, we put our eyes on the, on the stuff that causes turmoil, on the stuff that causes anxiety. That's all we can think about. That's all we can focus on. We got to get in and we got to meditate on God's word. I want to encourage you today. Look at him. Look at his promises. Some of you are walking through things right now that are so tough, that are so difficult, and God has promises for you. Look at God's character, who he's all about. I mean, I feel like, God, you've left me. And that's the time exactly when I need to know that the Bible says he's never going to leave me or forsake me. I dig in. I get to know his character. I get to know his promises. I get to know his commands. Meditate on God's word. This will keep you ready and alert to what God wants to do in and through your life. This is a very, very, very essential habit to have in a godly life. Number four. Number four. I want to ask you guys a question. I'm going to take a little poll, okay? First service came out like I thought it would. Let me ask you guys. How many of you guys love when somebody tells you what to do? Nobody. Why has nobody got their hand up? Nobody enjoys that. Why is that? We've all got this thing built into us called pride, right? Called selfishness. Don't you dare tell me what to do, right? We all have this. So number four is difficult. Obey God. The habit of obeying God. This is, a, this is probably one of the most difficult habits that we need in our lives. Moses, in the Old Testament, he was speaking to God's people. He's speaking to the Israelites, and he said in Deuteronomy, Obey the Lord your God and follow his commands and statutes that I'm giving you today. Okay, Moses, that sounds real easy, right? Well, then he goes on to say in, in Deuteronomy 28, Now, listen to this. If you faithfully obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow all his commands I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will put you far above all the nations of the earth. So he's talking to the nation of Israel, right? But I want you to put, it's still, you know, it's still, it's for us today. Put your name there. Put yourself there. If, if I faithfully obey the Lord 
and I'm careful to follow his commands, I'm giving you the, the Lord will put you far above. So, so here's what he's saying. If you've chosen to follow Jesus, right? You've made that declaration. It means that you have chosen to live life at a higher level. It doesn't make you better than anyone else. It doesn't mean that, it just means that, that you are choosing a different lifestyle. You're saying, um, all the stuff that my pride and my selfishness, all the stuff that the world says that I should have and that I'm going to get, I'm going to live above that. And I'm going to say, okay, God, all that I have is yours. All that I want to strive after is yours. And so, so I need to be obedient to God. I'm, I'm saying I'm putting myself on a higher level. And so let me ask you this question, and this is one for all of us maybe we need to dig into what in your life is the greatest threat to your obedience to God. Right now in your life, you can probably think of some stuff that, that you need to be more obedient in, you need to develop some habits in. What is it in your life that is the greatest threat to your obedience to God? Is it sin? Maybe there's a sin in your life that's keeping you from, what, is it a temptation? Is it a trial? What is it? That's threatening your capacity to obey God. This is a habit that we need to have in our life. And again, I want you to see how these, how these intertwine together, how, how all these come together. A little side note. If, if, if I'm going to be, I'm only going to be obedient, okay? I'm only going to do number four if, if I'm doing life of prayer, faith or trust, meditation on God's word. You see how that works together? If, I'm, if I've developed these habits of, of praying and trusting God and meditating on his word, guess what's naturally going to come next? I'm going to be obedient. So obedient to God, number four. Number five, I'm going through these fast. Um, dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Now I get it. Sometimes in church, you start talking about the Holy Spirit, things can get weird, right? We've probably all heard it and seen it and done it. So I want to just give you what we believe about the Holy Spirit, okay? The the Holy Spirit is the is the co-equal with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all right? He is present in the world to to make men aware of their need for Jesus, okay? He is present when you accept Christ, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit now lives in you. The Bible said the word there is indwells within you. So when I say, God, you're Lord and Savior over my life. Now the Holy Spirit comes in at the moment of salvation. He provides power for, for living and understanding. He provides strength for, for spiritual health and guidance, right? He gives every uh, a believer a spiritual gift is given by the Holy Spirit. And so I want you to see what Paul says when he writes about uh, 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 the Holy Spirit. He's writing to Christians in Rome. In Romans chapter 8, it says this. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. Don't raise your hand. How many of you have a bunch of weaknesses? Don't raise your hand. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses because we do not know what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. And he who searches our hearts knows the minds of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And that's not all. Look what Paul says in Galatians chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against 
such things. So think about that with me. The Bible says the fruits of the Spirit. It doesn't say the fruits of Bobby, right? It says the fruits of the Spirit. So I want to be indwelled with the Holy Spirit. I want to depend upon the Holy Spirit. And when I am doing that, the fruits of the Spirit, what? They come out in my life and my life now looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. The fruits of the Spirit come out when I'm depending upon daily this, this, this filling of the Holy Spirit. And so let's get, let's get a little bit more real today. What if the dependence upon the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit, leads to a chain reaction in your ability to Stop overeating. I haven't been able to stop this. I haven't been able to conquer this. What if, what if the filling of the Holy Spirit leads to a chain reaction and the ability to stop filling the blank, overspending, being content in life? What, what if the filling of the, the Holy Spirit can, can come in and, and, and help you in whatever area it is that, that you're struggling with and it leads to a chain reaction? The Holy Spirit will help us when we depend on Him develop these habits and, and He will empower you. And if we're honest, again, let's go back to that selfish pride thing that we all have in our life. Depending on someone else, depending on something else, this is a tough one, right? But we need the help that the Holy Spirit brings. We need to tap into that and develop, develop a habit of dependence. Number six, number six, give to God and others. We need to develop a habit, a spiritual habit of giving to God and others. Luke says this, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. Some of you who grew up in church, you've probably heard this before. You cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. That's what Luke's trying to tell us right here. You cannot outgive God. I learned this lesson of, of giving and giving to God, I think, at a, at a younger age. So, so uh, when I was five, my parents got divorced and, and didn't uh, really have a dad in my life for a lot of years. And then my dad uh, got saved and he started going to church. And then around the age of uh, 15 or 16, I ended up moving in with my dad. And he started going to church, so I started going to church, started going with him. And uh, he, he would pay me $10 a week for allowance, right? Big money, big money. And um, I had to do like 100 chores to get that $10. Now, it's, I don't, I'm mad. Anyways, $10 a week. And my dad, who was a new Christian, he was like, all right, we got we to gotta give back to the church. We got to take our tithe. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I got $10. What am I supposed to give? Got to give a dollar back to the church. So, as a freshman in high school, I got my $10. Most weeks I got it. Uh, and, and I took my $1. And for, for all of my high school years, I put $1 in the, in the offering plate. Every time it came by, $1. And I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And then it got to this place where I was kind of looking forward to it, right? I was like, man, I'm, I'm being obedient. I'm doing what, what God wants me to do. Well, fast forward, I get to college and 
was able to uh, go to college and, and play ball and, and got a little bit of scholarship money. But I'll never forget, um, I was down there, I was broke, normal college student. And <clears throat> I think it was my junior year, um, I had to pay for books and food. That's all I had to pay for. And uh, I thought we took care of it. And on a Monday, it was about a month into school started, and I get a letter that says, you, uh, you owe $724, and you got to pay it by Friday, or you, you're withdrawn. Like, we're going to send you home. I'm a college student. I got no job, playing ball, got no money. And so I start panicking. I'm like, what am I going to do? Well, at this time, it was a church down there, and I was just, a friend of mine was the pastor, and so I would go over on Wednesday nights, and I would help their student ministry, go play games and just be silly, and, and I would go do that. Well, uh, on this specific night, this specific Wednesday night, they were having a prayer meeting, and just the whole church was coming together, small old country church, it was probably 20 people in the whole room. And I went in there, and, and I'm, you know, 19, 20, 21 years old, and it's just full of, you know, senior citizens. And I'm like, well, God, what am I going to do? This is on my heart. I just got this letter. And so I just said, man, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. And I didn't tell anybody what was going on. It's kind of prideful. And, and, and so I just began to pray. And we stood around, and we held hands, and, and we were praying. And, and, and I'm just, I'm like, God, I need you to show up. Like, I don't want to go home. I got to finish school. And, and I, I, back home, they were, they were poorer than me. Like, they didn't have any money to send me. And so I'm like, all right, Lord, what, what are you going to do? So I'm crying, and, and we're just holding hands. And, and I'll never forget this, this older gentleman next to me, man. He's just praying. And, it, like, you know, those people that can just pray. And you, man, it was good. And I'm just like, yeah, amen. It's just like, it was so good. And, and so it's, it's time to go, right? Service is over. And I'm like, man, Lord, I don't know what to do. Um, so I'm walking out and this older couple comes up to me and they said, Bobby, I don't know why, but God told us to give you this. And they handed me a check for $700. And that was one of the moments in my life where I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. What is going on? This God thing is real. <laughs> this, this, and listen, I firmly believe in my heart what, what Luke is saying, give and it will be given to you. I was given a dollar a week, a dollar. I don't know if that dollar made a difference in the church's life. I don't know what, what, what that really meant to that church, but I was trying my best to be faithful and I gave a dollar every week all through high school. And, and can I tell you today, uh, Shira and I, she was sitting in here in the first service and it just flooded with story after story after story where um, we didn't have we didn't have money. We had two kids and I had a job and she didn't. And we're we're trying our best to scrape by. And this young lady comes to us and she had a passion and a burden to go on a mission trip. And we're like, yeah, that's awesome. We'll pray for you, you know. And and, and she comes up $500 short and she was like, I think we need to give her $500. I'm like, we don't have $500. I don't know what to do. And we were just stepped out in faith and we gave her a check for $500. And listen, we didn't get any money in return. We didn't get anything in return except for when that young girl got back and she told us how she shared Jesus in Africa. And, and to this day, we get to talk to her and, and, and that, that's our reward. And so, so, so when we talk about developing this habit of giving to God and giving to others, we don't give to God because we're like, all right, let me give you 10%. You're going to give me back 20. I'll be rich. Everything will be good, right? 
That, that's not why we give. We give here to, 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 to show the love of Christ, to say God's given to me. He's blessed me. And so I want to bless you. And, and notice that I'm talking about giving to God and others. This isn't a City Hope Church thing, right? This is living a life, living a life with a habit of blessing people around me. But I want you to see, I want you to hear this. OK, and this is tough. This is this is a dangerous place because usually when this isn't a habit, it's because there's a mindset that's saying, no, 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 God, I can manage this better than you. Usually when when we don't have the habit of giving to others, it's because, no, 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 God, I can I can manage my money. And, and let me just tell you, church, that's a dangerous mindset. That's a dangerous Mindset. Why? Because the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. Develop a habit of giving to God and others. Number seven. Number seven. Save the best for last. Forgiving others. The habit of forgiving others. Paul says in Ephesians, be angry and do not sin. I like that he gives us a little bit of permission there, right? Go ahead, be angry. You can be angry, but don't sin. That's the hard part. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't give the devil an opportunity. Verse 30, don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You, will, you were sealed by him for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, anger, wrath, shouting, slander be removed from you, along with all malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Here it is, forgiving one another. Just as God also forgave you in Christ. This is so different, difficult. This is so difficult. Especially when you've been betrayed. Especially when you've been hurt. Especially when there's, there's deep, deep wounds. This is so tough. Think about the life of Jesus again. He's the greatest example of living a life of prayer. But there's no better example of forgiveness than Jesus. Here's Judas in, in Jesus' camp. He's on the team, and he had a great, listen to this. Judas had a wonderful opportunity to be great, didn't he? He had an opportunity to be great. He could have went out and spread the gospel. He could have went out and did a lot of great things for Jesus, but he turned his back on Jesus and betrayed him. Jesus is now betrayed and because of that little step of betrayal, what happened more? He was beaten, he was mocked, he was spit on, he was crucified, he died. And some of his last words were what? Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. How, how do you do that? How do you do that, Bobby, when, it's, when there's so much hurt? How do you do it, Bobby? You don't know what I've went through. You don't know what they've put me through. And you know what? It, it's probably good that I don't know because I would tell you don't forgive them, right? It's like, it hurts. I know, it stinks. But we gotta come into this habit of being, listen to what he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit when you're sealed by him. This is an unreasonable forgiveness. It doesn't make sense. I shouldn't forgive them, but I got to develop this habit because this is what God calls me to. A godly person develops the habit of forgiving others. There's still betrayers out there, just like Judas. There's still people wanting to hurt you and cause harm to you. 
But if you want to live a godly life, this has to be a habit. And for some of us, it comes back to that pride thing. It hurts and you don't know and I can't do it. But God says, forgive like Jesus forgave. So these are the seven spiritual habits that I believe can set off a chain reaction in your life. I'm going to ask Brittany and Maya to come on back up and as we close out here in just a moment. Are you ready to see something new in your life? You ready to see something different? Ready to grow in your walk with Christ? Because I believe that those with spiritual habits are different. And there's nothing, there's nothing that is keeping you from choosing these habits and being obedient to God. There's nothing that is keeping you from it. And, and, and this is for me the reason why in my life when I look at different seasons and I look at these seven and I see that I'm not doing four, I'm not doing three, I'm not doing number one. When I look at it, the only reason why I don't have these habits in my life is because I don't believe they're important enough. I got too much going on. I get distracted. It's not important enough. I don't, they're not powerful enough. I, I, I don't know if I have time to do that. I got better things to do. There's nothing that is keeping you from choosing these habits. But I want to emphasize the importance of this. Don't, don't miss out. What happens without spiritual habits? What happens in your life? What if, what if the church just simply took part, right? What if we just showed up on Sunday, we hugged, we high-fived, and then we left, and we didn't have any spiritual habits, we didn't give, we didn't love, we didn't seek the Lord, we didn't uh, pray, what happens if we just look the part? Before the explosion at Chernobyl, there were lots of signs, but no one noticed. Think about that. No one noticed. And whether it's the nuclear reactor melting down or your spiritual walk, it's pretty sad. Author James Clear in, the, in that same book, Atomic Habits, he said it best. I want you to look at this. It's the accumulation of many missteps. A 1% decline here and there that eventually leads to a problem. These small steps are a big deal. And can I just tell you, you don't have to wait you don't have to wait for a meltdown of your faith. You don't have to wait for a meltdown of your family, of, of, of your spiritual life, of your physical life. You don't have to wait, wait for this meltdown to happen. You can choose to take small spiritual steps and start a chain reaction. You can choose that today. Some of you have goals in the back of your mind. I wish I had done that. You know, I wish I was down to that. I wish I could get this. I wish. Some of you, you've been waiting for so long. And maybe right now, this is what you need. That these, these small spiritual steps, these small spiritual habits to get you to this place to where you see there's a chain reaction. It started with some spiritual goals. And now look what's happening. Maybe some of us, you realize today that, man, I just need some, 
need some change in my family. We need some change in our home, the, the environment that we've built, the culture that we have. We need some change. Well, can I encourage you to start these small spiritual habits? Take some steps. And watch what God does in your home. Now, before we go, maybe you're sitting in here today and you're listening and you're like, man, all these spiritual habits, I don't know. Sounds like a lot of rules. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of things I got to do, a lot of regulations, a lot of religion that I got to follow. Well, let me, let me just say this. There's no habit on earth that's going to make you holy. Paul says this, and, and this is really good news. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Listen, there's no habit that's going to make you holy. We've all made mistakes. We're all going to make mistakes. And the Bible calls that sin. And Paul says, hey, this isn't about you. This is about Jesus and what he did for you. If you agree with God about those sins and you say, okay, God, I got some mistakes. I've got some things in my past and, and, and I want to turn. I want to leave them. I want to leave them behind. The Bible says that if you turn from your sin, you repent from your sin, God promises through his son, Jesus, you can be holy and blameless and perfect. So maybe you sit here today and you're like, I don't, I don't have these habits in my life because I really don't have a relationship and I really don't know a lot, but, but I want to know. Here's what I want to encourage you to do today as we walk out. Just stop by. I'll be out here. Stop by our connect table. Say, hey, I want to know more about having a relationship with Christ. But for the rest of us, I want to invite you today just to kind of look at your life. How are your spiritual habits? Maybe you're good on a couple of them and God's speaking to you saying, hey, it's time. You gotta step your game up over here. Listen, the world needs more Christians. The world needs better Christians. Let's grow. Let's strive to, to, to follow Christ in every single aspect of our life. And so today as Maya and Brittany sing for us, we're just gonna have a time for you just to reflect, for you to spend a moment there in your seat with the Lord. Young, old, doesn't matter. Seven spiritual habits. You ready to see some, some growth? You ready to see a chain reaction? You want to see your kids' lives changed? Dad, start with you. Mom, start with you. You want to see our community change? God's, God's given you a passion and a burden for our world? Start with you. Start inside your home. Start inside your small group. And let's see some true change. Let's see this chain reaction that will take place when we're obedient to God. Let's pray. Father, I ask you now just to help each and every one of us in a real and practical way. God, help us to refocus and replant our lives firmly in the midst of your will. But I pray for those of us in here that are, we have good intentions but we've allowed things in our hearts and our lives and our schedule to keep us from developing habits. Give us the strength and the understanding of how important this is.
Lord, I pray that we would begin this day to depend upon that Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. And Lord, I just ask if there's one here that does not know you, today would be the day of salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to our feet. We're gonna sing a little bit. If you wanna do business with God, take a minute, pray. But let's sing out and worship together. Thanks again for tuning in with us today. We would love to connect with you. And the best way to do that is through social media or go straight to our website. God bless you and have a wonderful day.